Good morning. Good morning again. Awesome. It's so good to be here with you and to be here for this wonderful occasion to support Austin and support Riverstone. And I'm excited uh, to be here because I know God is doing some wonderful things in your midst. I know he has begun to get work in you and he's going to be faithful to complete it. Amen. And uh, just to play a small role, it's an honor to do so. I want to also introduce, I have my awesome wife here, Lisa. And if, if I don't say that, I, I probably will be in trouble, right? <laughs> then also, I have my sister who's visiting from California, Terry. So that's Lisa and Terry. And, uh, and also, I think John Nesbitt, who helps support myself in the district um, with operations, he is here supporting you as well. So again, yeah. So we're so thankful to, to be here with you. Uh, can we pray? Just ask God for his help. Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity to be here in your presence. We thank you for what you're doing in uh, Austin's life, Pastor Austin's life, and the life of Riverstone. And it's been amazing to see the journey. Uh, and Lord, I know uh, for a fact that you're faithful to your bride. And Lord, today is proof of this, that you are faithful to your bride. So God, I pray now that you will help me help Austin uh, as he um, faithfully serves your bride and he faithfully in, in this serving your bride, serving you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. So Spirit of the living God, I pray that you come and You'll help me, help him, that you'll help us hear from you clearly today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Pastor Austin, wherever you are, I'd like to first speak to you uh, as a husband whose honeymoon stage is over. It's just ended, if you can imagine that. And as one who's no longer a rookie, but yet you are a veteran, I want to speak to you not within the, the ambiance of the current experience, but rather in the arena you have to exist in to please your God. The Apostle Paul stated this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our reputation among you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been treated abusively in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much, much opposition. This word opposition is the word agon in the Greek, which means this, the place of contest, the arena or the stadium generally meant for any struggle, battle or trial or any struggle that leads to victory. And one thing is for sure, Pastor Austin, is that the gospel is your ultimate responsibility. And in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and in living the gospel of Jesus Christ, one thing is for sure, you will have opposition and you will have agony. You will have great resistance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
But as Paul stated, you must remain bold. So how does bold look? How does this confidence look according to the scripture amidst opposition and agony? Well, if you look deeper in the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 12, Paul begins to answer how you should look with this boldness. You look at verse number 3, it says, For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. In other words, there will always be this temptation amidst opposition and agony to kind of tweak the gospel or tweak the approach. So there must be this resistance to this. In other words, there is this never getting too creative that it becomes deceitful. You see, because when you face opposition, you have resistance, the chances and the temptations of anyone is to compromise, become creative. But yet there's this responsibility that you always have is that, yes, be creative in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, but never let it become deceitful. Secondly, you find in verse number four, it says, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not intending to please people, but to please God who examines our hearts. Secondly, never forget you're called to please God. No one else. Please God. Number three, you find in verses five through six, it says, for we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with pretext for greed. God is our witness, nor did we seek honor from people, either from you or from others, though we could have asserted our authority as apostles of Christ. See, a lot of stuff nestled within there. So let me summarize it for you uh, in, the, in the third point, verses five through six. Always remaining bold and confident looks like this. It's never allowing pure motives to grow cold. In other words, when you enter ministry, motive seems to be very, very pure. But as you have opposition, as you start having agony, the temptation is to what? Change your motive. Never let the motive that you start with ever grow cold. Number four, you find in verses seven and eight, it says, but we prove to be gentle among you as, listen to what this says, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Paul is talking to presumably men, right? But as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, in the same way we had a fond affection, fond affection for you, and we delighted to share with you not only the, the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. You hear the affection in there? So number four, Austin, is this, Pastor Austin, is that it's, it's never losing an affectionate care for God's people. Never losing an affectionate care for God's people. I always like to tell pastors and other leaders if you got a problem loving God's people, you got a problem. It's a problem with you. If you stop loving affectionately God's people. But that's what will happen in the midst of opposition and agony. That's what will happen when people, believe it or not, people you love 
will come against you and stand against you in multiple creative ways. After the dust settles, after the honeymoon settles, right? Opposition begins to, relational opposition always happens. How do I happen when it starts feeling antagonistic? How do I continue when it seems like we don't love each other anymore? Never lose your affectionate care for God's people. Number five, you find in verses nine and 10. For you recall, brothers and sisters, our labor and hardship, it was by working night and day so as not to be burdensome to anyone. Now we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and so is God of how I devoutly and rightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. How does remaining bold and confident look amidst opposition and agony? It's never growing to a place that you ignore the cost of servitude, but servitude with integrity. Never ignoring the cost, it is costly to serve God's people. It's laborious to serve God's people. It's tiresome to serve God's people. It's weighty to serve God's people. I always tell uh, brothers who become lead pastors, I said, the game has now changed because the weight falls squarely on you first. It's like when a boy becomes a man or when a man becomes a father and he realizes everyone around the table is now relying on him. Similarly, it's the feeling. The challenge is to understand that you can't ignore that it will be late nights and early mornings of prayer and fasting and others may, you may not. The cost of service with integrity. Lastly, you find in verses 11 and 12. Just as you know how we, ex- we exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with his own children. Remember, we, we learned in verse 7 and 8 as a nursing mother. But now he says, wait a minute, there's also this, this fatherly part of the responsibility. The beautiful thing you see about the Apostle Paul whenever he talks to the church, he's motherly, but he's fatherly. Okay, come on, baby, let me kiss the boo-boo. But then the father says, son, get up, get back on the bike, just dust it off, get back, ride again. Oh, you don't need a helmet, just go out there, just do it again. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's that father part that a pastor needs to have. Is that, I love you, I love you, I love you, but get back in there. Fight the good fight. And that's why the last point is, after we understand that, yeah, you can't be over-creative, that it becomes deceitful, that, that you can't lose the sight, that you're called to please God alone, that there must always be this pure motive, that there's this affectionate care for God's people that should be unwavering, and all of this will cost you something. When you add it all up, at the end of the day, you have to know this, Pastor Austin, is that you can't 
never cease challenging God's people. You see, because that's what true love does. True love looks you in the face on a Sunday morning or in the office or across from a breakfast table or in your home, in your living room, and says, I love you, but I got to tell you something that you need to hear. That's the gospel. The gospel is tender, but the gospel is also tough. Here's my closing prayer for you, Pastor Austin. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 and 20. It says, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert, pastor, with all perseverance in every request for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador, ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I want to summarize my prayer for you in two Two phrases or two statements. Pray. I pray that you pray with perseverance and every request for the saints. In other words, no matter how much opposition and agony, never stop praying for God's people. Secondly, amidst opposition and agony, I pray for you to proclaim with boldness the mystery of the gospel. In other words, Austin, you do it as you ought to do it. Don't do it as the previous pastors did it. Don't do it as I do it. Don't do it as any other creative being do it. Do it as you ought to do it. The way God has wired you, created you, molded you, shaped you, prepared you, you do it as you ought to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is an honor for me as well to participate in this uh, day of celebration and in installing Austin officially as our lead pastor. And um, we're going to be looking at a charge to us. So I invite you to follow along with me. We're going to be looking at Hebrews 13 briefly. And I invite you to listen in as I talk to myself. Because this is a charge to me as well. In the 13th chapter of Hebrews, this wonderful book that magnifies the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ and his work. In the final chapter, in chapter 13, there are three references to leaders. They're not mentioned prior to this, but there are three mentions of leaders in chapter 13. The first 
occurs in chapter 7, uh, verse 7, immediately preceding a verse that we probably have memorized. Remember those who led you, literally your leaders, who spoke the word of God to you. And considering the results of their way of life, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Verse 24, greet all of your leaders and all the saints, those from Italy greet you. And sandwiched in between these passages are verses 17 and 18, where we are going to camp out for a few minutes. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they may do this with joy, not groaning, for this would be unhelpful for you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. As I thought about this passage, I said, do you really want to go there? Because the ideas of obedience and submission to spiritual leadership are not necessarily appealing to us for a number of reasons. First, we want to call our own shots. We don't want to answer to anyone. Another way of putting that is, we're sinners. And if that weren't bad enough, we're American sinners. <laughs> but also, a, a, another reason is that the last few years have been filled with reports of multiple egregious abuses of power and spiritual leadership by those who were entrusted to care for the spiritual well-being of fellow Christians. In some cases, this took the form of bullying and intimidation. In others, it was expressed in financial mismanagement and embezzlement and in the most heinous of situations that involved the sexual exploitation of unsuspecting individuals who thought if they were safe with anyone, it would be with the pastor or ministry leader who eventually betrayed their trust. And part of the reason for our reticence to submit to those in leadership is because we believe what the Bible has to say about the deceitfulness of the human heart and the strong temptation that resides within us to misuse authority for selfish ends. But think about it. It doesn't make sense to say, I believe the Bible when it comes to what it says about fallen hearts, but I don't trust that same Bible when it calls me to obey and submit to those in spiritual leadership. The same God is behind all of it, and it's not for me to pick and choose as to what I'm going to regard as authoritative. And we must keep in mind that whenever God gives authority, it is always with the intent that it would be for the benefit of those under it. And so where and when it is abused, the problem is not authority. The problem is sin. So, our charge to us, I've broken down into three sections from verses 17 and 18. The first one 
as we respond to Pastor Austin, and we can apply this to all of the pastoral staff and elders, but focusing today upon Pastor Austin as our lead pastor, the first charge is to be open to his persuasion. Now, you might say, well, where did you get that from the text? It says obey. Um, and I'm not denying that it has to do with obedience, but I want to focus on what quality of obedience is in mind here. What's in mind here in the word translated obey is not simply a blind, unthinking conformity to commands that are issued. The word translated as obey is a word that throughout the New Testament means to persuade, to be persuaded, to be confident, to trust or to put confidence in. And you can see how that would be related to the idea of obedience. One scholar says, in the tense and voice used here, the Greek literally means to be continually persuaded. It is always used in reference to a verbal proclamation or argument. And so the idea is clearly that we are required to constantly allow the teaching and counsel of our leaders to be very persuasive in our hearts and lives. That is not to attribute infallibility to Pastor Austin or any of our spiritual leaders. This is not meaning a setting aside of discernment and an asking what saith the scriptures. No, it's not a setting aside of discernment, but it does require a setting aside of suspicion and cynicism. Standing back or sitting back with arms folded and saying, you gotta show me. No, we are to be open to his persuasion as he seeks to open and explain the word of God to us. John Owen said that the word translated obey signifies an obedience on a persuasion such as doctrine, instruction, or teaching produces. Well, the second charge to us from this verse is be submissive to his leadership. Seemingly, the author has in mind a distinction between the obedience and the submission. They're related, but because he says, and there is a distinction to be made. The word for submit here isn't the word usually translated as submit in the New Testament. In fact, this word is only used in the whole of the New Testament here and it means to give way to, to yield, to no longer resist. And why should we do this? What should motivate us? Pastor Austin and the other pastors and the elders of Riverstone watch over our souls, the text says. And that word watch over has the idea of being awake, being vigilant, being on guard. It's the kind of alertness required of a watchman guarding a city or, as you might expect, a shepherd. Though a different word is used when Paul says farewell to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, he says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, 
which he purchased with his own blood. And the apostle Peter, in speaking to elders, says, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. nor yet as domineering over those assigned to your care, but by proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, just as the author of Hebrews says, there is a watching over our souls as those who will give an account. There's another motivation that is given, though, and it actually appeals to our self-interest. Because the author of Hebrews says that we should see to it that our leaders are able to fulfill those tasks joyfully and not with groaning. Because if you do that such that that task becomes grievous, it will not be profitable, not to the spiritual leaders, though that's true, but it won't be profitable to us. The author appeals to the self-interest of those to whom he is writing. Their response to their leaders can have one of two effects. They can fulfill their task with joy or with grief. And if they do it with grief, it will not be in the best interest of the congregation. We should not be the source of the agony and the opposition of which our brother spoke, for to do so would be disadvantageous to us, not to mention displeasing to the Lord. John Owen said, it is the congregation's duty to so obey whilst the leaders teach the things which the Lord Christ hath appointed them to teach and to submit unto their rule while it is exercised in the name of Christ according to his instruction and by the rule of the word and not otherwise. When they depart from these, there is neither obedience nor submission due unto them. And then finally, we should be in constant prayer for Pastor Austin, for his life, for his ministry, for his family, for his teaching. Verse 18, the author says, pray for us. It seems that the author includes himself amongst the leaders, though he is at a distance. He says, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. But what do we pray for? Well, I hope you were taking notes to everything that uh, our brother Cedric was saying, because the things that he was charging Pastor Austin to are what we should be asking the Lord to motivate and enable him in. That the Lord would motivate and empower him to fulfill his ministry with fidelity and joy that he would be an example to us, not of perfection, but of the process of continually pursuing holiness and Christ-likeness. 
and we need to be praying for ourselves that God would grant us hearts that are committed to being open to his persuasion, being submissive to his leadership, and being prayerful for him as he fulfills his task as a pastor, as a husband and as father, and a follower of Christ. May God be so gracious to us. Amen. I ask at this time that Austin come forward and the elders uh, come forward as well. Come on up on stage. few questions to ask you, Austin. Good charges from both men. Yes, thank you. Very, very much appreciated. And uh, these are the things that we are, as a congregation, are asking from you. Uh, Austin, will you faithfully give yourself to the study of the Holy Scriptures, to the ministry of intercession, and to the faithful exercise of the means God has given to nurture a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord? If so, answer, I will. I will. A little louder, please. I will. It's just like a wedding. you got to do this, you know. <clears throat> Are you willing to take charge of this congregation as our lead shepherd and spiritual overseer, as the Apostle Peter, Peter commands in these words, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have, have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not dominating over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. I will. Thank you. Do you believe and declare, as far as you know your own heart, that in taking upon you this responsibility, you are influenced by a sincere desire to promote the glory of God and the good of his church. I will. Do you solemnly promise that by the assistance of the grace of God, you will endeavor faithfully to discharge all the duties of a pastor to this congregation and will be careful to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to Christ and minister of the gospel to Riverstone Church? I will. Austin, I hereby install you as the, uh, to the office of pastor, lead pastor of this church in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. One of the things that we see patterned in the New Testament is that when someone was commissioned and recognized for 
the work that they had been called to do, that the elders would gather around and lay hands upon them and uh, pray over them. And so we're going to do that with, with Austin uh, at this moment, and we have a couple of our elders who will uh, pray for Austin. So let's gather around and pray. Who's... Hallelujah, oh Lord, hallelujah. Amen. We praise you, God, for establishing your church on the foundation of Jesus Christ and empowering it through your Holy Spirit, Lord. We praise you for just your redemptive work in Austin's life, Lord, as well as our own. But you've called him. You have sanctified him. You have equipped him, Father, for this new position of lead pastor at Riverstone. And therefore, Father, we pray for our brother. First off, that the song of his heart would be, I will love the Lord thy God with all my heart, with all my mind, my soul, and my strength, Lord. Father, um, we also thank you for just the teaching gifts you've given him. And we pray that he will excel in feeding your sheep, teaching sound biblical doctrine, and rebuking those who contradict it as well, dear Lord. Father, um, I, um, on the way in this morning, I was listening to that fount of blessing and being reminded that how all of us were prone to wander, Lord. And so, Lord, wander from your grace, from your love. And so, Father, I pray that our lead pastor would guard his heart, that he would pay attention to his spiritual and moral purity, dear Lord. Father, also, we understand that we're in conflict against evil spiritual forces, Lord. And so I pray with my family here that our brother would daily armor up, Lord, put on your armor and to stand against the schemes of the devil, Father. Lord, I, I pray too for Davi and Austin that together they would develop a boundaries, Lord, to protect the quality of their home life, Lord, and, uh, and, uh, and their care for their two precious daughters, Father. And Lord, too, we, um, we know, Austin, uh, that you've equipped him, you've given him skills, and, and yet we intercede for his continued wisdom, discernment, and skills that they would all increase as he undertakes the oversight and administration of his new responsibility. And Father, lastly, I just pray for my dear brother Austin, our new lead pastor, that his motivation in performing this new ministry for your glory and honor will be the longing one day to hear your affirming words of well done, good and faithful servant, Father. We commit his ministry to your care, uh, to your oversight, and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If you feel so led as a congregation, I'd ask you to join us by raising a hand of affirmation as we are laying hands on Austin and unite with us in this prayer. Almighty God, you have called your servants to make promises before you. Now enable us to keep our vows that we may remain steadfast in faith and fruitful in every good work. Bless, we pray, your servant Austin to whom the care of your people in this church is now committed. Pour out your Holy Spirit on him and on the people of Riverstone 
and all the churches of our association, that our mutual ministry may be served with all faithfulness, diligence, courage. Grant us the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind, and make our ministry a means of wakening the careless, strengthening the faithful, comforting the afflicted, building up your church and converting sinners to you. Guard us against the snares of temptation that we may be kept pure in heart, fervent in spirit, and valiant against evil. And at the last, by your grace, receive us in your eternal home, where with you and the Holy Spirit Christ reigns in glory, one God, forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. Thank you, brothers. Love these guys. Hallelujah, family. We will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on our lips. Amen? For his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness is to all generations. Family, it has been a tremendous privilege of mine to serve you and serve alongside you over these last eight to nine years. The Lord has kept us. The Lord is good and faithful, and his steadfast love endures forever. Amen? Amen. I, alongside my wife Davia, am honored, humbled, and joyful about serving in this role for however long the Lord deems fit. We look forward to the days ahead together. I mean that. I'm excited about the days ahead together and what the Lord will continue to do in and through us. And I know that it will not be without a cost. The cost of identifying with Christ in his sufferings so that we would likewise identify with him in his resurrecting power and glory. Amen? I am convinced that as we continue to persevere together in fulfilling God's mission, by fixing our eyes on Jesus and walk in a manner worthy of our calling together in gentleness, humility, patience, showing tolerance to one another in love and always being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, if we commit to that, we will shine filled with the joy of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, overflowing. And the world around us will taste and see that the Lord is good and they will stream to him. Do you want that? 
I hope so. I hope so, because that's my prayer for us. And it comes from him. And he who calls us is faithful. He will surely do it. Hallelujah. Love you all so much. Thank you so much for all of your years of ongoing love and support for me, my family, and we are excited about the days ahead together. Let's close out the service now in prayer to God, seeking God's face and seeking his hand to remain upon us. Oh, Lord God of heaven, we praise you our great and awesome God who keeps covenant and loving kindness forever toward us, your children. Cause us, O oh Lord, we pray, through your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, to know the height and width and depth and breadth of the love of Christ. Fill us with the fullness of God. Fill us, O oh God, with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we would walk together in a manner worthy of you, worthy of the gospel, united pleasing you in every way and bearing fruit in every good work. Shine your glory through us as a light to the nations, a city on a hill, so that our joy would be made complete and Christ Jesus would be magnified through us. And all of the Lord's people said, Amen. May God be gracious to us, bless us, and keep us, and make his face to shine upon us, that through us his ways would be made known, and his name would be magnified throughout the earth. Amen? Amen. Lord bless you all. Thank you.